0: What is up, freaks? Welcome back to Tales from the Crypt. It's your boy, Marty Bent. In the relegation studio tonight, I uh, kicked out of my apartment. My wife's getting ready for a party, uh, so I've been relegated to the second floor common studio in my apartment building. Uh, I don't know if we're going to have any uh, surprise guests join us during this recording. Who knows? This is a, this is an open studio, but if they come in here, they're going to get a very nice conversation. They're going to learn about Bitcoin. Uh like to introduce you freaks to my guest. I'm very excited for this conversation. Um, this is somebody who has hopped onto my radar more recently on Twitter in particular. It's running very good uh analysis and coverage of the space. Like to introduce you freaks to Yassine Elmandra. Yassin, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much, Marty. Honestly, uh trying to keep my cool right now (laughs) oh stop it but no i mean this is first of all this is my first podcast uh but more than that that tftc is my first podcast you got a lot of fanboys out there and Uh and i'm one of them so it's really an honor to be here surreal to be honest (laughs) (laughs) stop it (laughs) but uh
0: i'm just some (laughs) some nerd with a with a microphone
1: i mean you're you're a pretty cool nerd (laughs) 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 so
0: uh, uh thank you i'll take that as a compliment yeah um No, it's uh, been sweet seeing, like, you jump onto the scene again more recently in the summer. I didn't realize you just graduated college until minutes ago. Uh, So you graduated college in 2018. Let's dive right into your tale. How the hell did you get to Bitcoin, and how did you get to uh, your position at ARK Invest, uh, crypto asset analyst?
1: Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, that's the beautiful thing about Twitter is that no one knows your age until they meet you. And you're like, wait, what? You're only 22. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, for me, that that's been great. I, I I really sell that a lot. I'm like, I'm the young guy who's allowed to make mistakes. Right. Um, and so honestly, my, my break into Bitcoin was definitely not your, uh, typical 2012 hobbyist miner who, uh, found the Satoshi white paper in a back page of the Bitcoin <laughs> talk forum. Um, my break into bitcoin is actually very recent as recent as last year um uh oh yeah so I, i'm a newbie <laughs> <laughs> so w- w- watch out whatever you read it's uh to take it with a grain of salt for sure but it was actually so this is the end of my junior year so that, that's right i, I graduated uh, from penn um in may of 2018 beautiful college Uh, yes. And last time we spoke, I, I, I learned that you knew all, all about the bars, all about the bars. I actually have a,
0: (laughs) there's a good, I have a good case to make that I should get an honorary degree from Penn because, uh, I went to (laughs) DePaul university. We were on trimesters. We had off from Thanksgiving to New Year's, uh, and Penn was still in, in session when I would be home in Philly. Uh, on that break
1: So where, where'd you go? You went, you went to Copa, I know Copa, Smokes, Blarney, Smokes. Blarney, dude, this guy uh, next, the, next time you're in a, The crew house next, two, Shout
0: out 208 uh, you
1: see that? I don't even know the crew house Oh, the the, the actual Penn crew Yeah Yeah, that's right That's yeah. right So you do you have like affiliation with Penn? Uh, yeah, I had really good okay. friends
0: who went to Penn And uh, yes. I would go annoy them when, when I was on break And they were still like in finals week and training for crew oh, nice. uh, Shout out to the Penn crew team pen crew team yeah
1: Uh, you know my freshman year uh the pen crew team would actually hand out flyers for people who were you know tall and a little bit big and like you should try out for pen crew (laughs) (laughs) and and so a bunch of my friends uh feel like every crew team does that (laughs) that's right i bet my friends the first week they're like yeah i'm a varsity sports player (laughs) 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 they try out they realize that they have to uh go train for 5 a.m. every single day and, and on, on week 2 they're, they they quit so um
0: it's uh if you're not if you're not uh down for the hard workouts of crew which I never was uh if you're not cut out for it it's it's a very uh arduous practice
1: Erging yeah. is no is no uh easy easy feat yeah and so i've been told you see you think that those machines are are easy but uh, there, there's a specific technique, and it's it's quite grueling.
0: It's an endurance sport. Uh, yeah. We talked about crew with uh, Alex Legal when he was on. Oh, nice. So you're at Penn. What are you studying? How did you find Bitcoin in particular?
1: Yeah, so I'm at Penn. Uh, I'm studying systems engineering and finance. Uh, so f- from the get-go, I was kind of really fascinated by this intersection between management and technology. Um, I knew I kind of didn't want to be a corporate engineer right out of college, but at the same time know enough to speak the language and and not just fluff uh, your way into into the business world. Um, And since the beginning, I I didn't I kind of knew that I didn't want to take the the traditional pen route. So Wharton, they're a bunch of hardos, super cutthroat and competitive. (laughs) You, You go your freshman year and everyone's in a suit and has, you know, there are 600 resumes at hand and they're still a freshman. And you go into that info session and they're just like, uh, this is how you're gonna shake the guy's hand. This is how you're gonna follow up on the email This is how you're gonna land that Goldman Sachs job and i'm like, there's no way i'm doing that. So they're grooming you Sorry, they're grooming you. you they're know? grooming you. That's exactly right. right There's a playbook and if you don't follow the playbook then then, you know, you step out of line. You're you're a loser. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I I chose uh, Voluntarily to be that loser. I was like, there's no way i'm doing this So kind of my approach, um I didn't, I, I didn't discover Bitcoin until my junior year, but my approach was like, I, I want to do something outside of your traditional route. Um, so, so I got into Bitcoin end of my junior year. Uh, I was actually back home a couple weeks uh, with my dad. And for uh,
0: those of you freaks that don't know, uh, Yasin is from Morocco. Yes,
1: I am from uh, Casablanca, Morocco. Casablanca, uh, eh? yes, the, uh, Casablanca. What's it, uh, what's it like being from Casablanca? It's it's, such a, it's, uh, so, it's so great because you get to say, you know, you're from Casablanca. It's super exotic. Huh? Mm-hmm. Um, there, you you also pick up the French language because we were colonized by the French. I, I don't like the French for that reason, but okay. Um, <laughs> I'll let I, them know when I'm in Paris next. Yes, week. don't donc you're going <laughs> to Paris, so uh, <laughs> you'll you'll come to to understand. Um, and the the great thing is that uh, so Casablanca is is a city that is you got go to the city not to really to visit but more so uh, if you're living there it's kind of like the financial hub. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I actually my childhood I, I was in the U S. and then moved to Morocco um, and did middle school and high school there and then came back for college. Um, what part of the U S. were you? Have? I I lived in California, oh, nice. uh, so northern and southern California both. Um, and it's just, it's, it's great because it's very family oriented. So I'm, I'm, I'm a family oriented guy. Um, and I just kind of, uh, learned to love my, my culture and my people and, mm-hmm. and knowing very well that I'd come back to the U S uh, yeah. to, to at least study and, and start out my career. Uh, fun fact, uh, th- every spring break, instead of going to your basic, you know, PV on the beach, I'd go on a road trip with like 10 of my friends and we'd go road tripping in Morocco. Uh, and it would just be such an amazing time. Uh, So if anyone's out there who wants to go to Morocco, hit me up, and, and I'll set up a trip, and, and you will not regret it. Yeah, it's beautiful. I was telling you uh
0: before we started recording, the, the uh, briefcase that I have sitting right here is from Morocco. My my mom <laughs> that, took that, a trip to Marrakesh. She brought that, that back. And the beautiful leather.
1: I wonder... Uh, it's I, strong I, leather. It is. It is. That's, I've had that <laughs>
0: for like almost a decade now.
1: Yeah, and, and in Marrakesh and in Fez specifically they have these tanneries where you can actually see how the leather is being made. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, towards the end, you know, you, you, you kind of have to buy the leather cause they showed you how it was made. <laughs> <laughs> they force you into buying it. So, um, yeah. So at end of my, end of my junior year and my dad randomly serendipitously comes up to me and he's like, yo, before you leave. So it was before I had, like, I was going to be starting an internship and he's like, before you leave, uh, we should just find something to invest in. Let's find something to invest in, straight up. Boss. Boss. Woke. <laughs> and <I, laughs> and half-jokingly, I was like, why don't we just buy Bitcoin? And at the time, I honestly had no idea what Bitcoin was. Uh, I had kind of heard it through through the grapevine in, in, in college and and read your, your typical uh, Bloomberg articles on how this was a tulip mania 2.0. Very mediocre. So, <laughs> very, very, very mediocre. And so you can imagine my, my perception of Bitcoin. Uh, but you know neither of us were were opposed to it uh mm-hmm. in in terms of like this being a potential avenue so uh I, I literally you know that night, so i didn't have twitter um and historically i've never really been a social media guy, so the fact that I'm now actively tweeting is is a big deal for me I'm um, happy you, happy you joined us i'm 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 happy I found you <laughs> 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 so um and so I went on YouTube, typed in Bitcoin. First video I find is a, a thirty-seven-minute video of Andreas Antonopoulos's introduction to Bitcoin, and very—I I was very lucky because immediately the, the argument was just super compelling. Right, this right. idea of a, a non-sovereign global monetary store of value that was permissionless, right? But at the same time, um, you had basically full control over of your wealth. And so, um, given that I was living in a in a third world country. Uh, given that in the past, I've had very close relatives of mine who've actually had, had their wealth uh, frozen and, and, and seized, like this was the two and two equals four kind of thing, right? Yeah. Um, and so I c- kind of consumed his whole, whole library that night, told my dad, we're going to buy some Bitcoin. <laughs> 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 and within the next week, uh, I, I bought my first Bitcoin. Uh, and honestly, from there, I kind of fell in the rabbit hole and, and I've been at it ever since funny thing about the first bitcoin that i bought um so in, in morocco the legislation is still kind of up in the air about mm-hmm. about bitcoin uh and so we don't actually have any established exchanges and so my first encounter with with bitcoin was was through local bitcoins oh nice oh my gosh dude i, I went i went balls deep <laughs> explain that experience what was yeah, that like so how'd you set it up uh, so, I mean, I, I use the yeah, site, but yeah, I, I use the I use the site. I, I downloaded the wallet. So I, I was literally going on YouTube saying, okay, you know, Andres is very, you know, cautious about the hot wallet thing. Uh, you know, make sure that you, you you store it cold. So we downloaded a desktop wallet. Um, and I and we basically reached out to the guy. Um, he told us where to meet him. I had cash in one hand, my computer on the other, and we literally met in just this random alleyway in Casablanca. <laughs> Holy shit. And imagine like us kind of, uh, our, our first exposure to it was like, this is for criminals and, and drug lords. meeting uh, in an alleyway. And so I'm meeting in an alleyway and it was such a great conversation. This guy had been in Bitcoin for the last five years. He was just doing his own little thing. He, really nice guy. He, do, he was doing it with his father as well. Boss. And uh, and and yeah. So he, he he, I gave him the address. He counted the cash. He sent me the Bitcoin. I saw his six confirmations. I'm like, we're chilling. You stood there for six confirmations. <laughs> I, did. <laughs> I did. So we were, so in in in, in in in. I mean, because you know, was uh, it a quick I, six or a? It, it, a it long took like six. it it took about an hour. Oh nice. Um, but uh, when when I we, we had a, we had a good conversation. And he looked at me. He's like, you know, I I I can tell that you're that you're you're just getting into this. <laughs> So, uh, he he knew I was a noob. He definitely knew I was a noob. What was yeah. that? Well,
0: that's interesting. Cause m- most people's first experience, or I don't even want to say most people, most people I know, their first experience is probably buying via Coinbase or something like that. So, right. doing it like P2P for the first time, you had definitely have like a different type of aha moment where no, you probably sure. reached it quicker. Whereas, like, just like connecting your bank account to Coinbase and seeing it on a web UI is a lot different than actually meeting somebody in person, exchanging cash and getting back this digital gold absolutely did you, so did you get it like right away like you saw the six confirmations for the first time but like holy shit it's working it's yeah
1: right. no it, it, it's working so i mean you you receive that it's pen it, like you receive it immediately that it's pending right and then it, 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 it de- depending on on the number of confirmations you're like okay it's good to go but that's right coinbase we tried i mean we tried your traditional exchanges there's coinbase and there's also coin mama i don't know if you know coin mama coin mama that rings a bell so coin mama is for the international it, it, it's 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 really uh, prevalent in africa okay uh, but they charge like 30% premiums that's on 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 bitcoin that's so crazy. i was like you know let's just get it at at nav so what did uh, you do did you have like
0: a, a uh, phone hotspot did you yes exactly yeah. phone
1: hotspot uh we had the an electrum wallet Electron, um, yeah, and 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 we we got our Bitcoin, and I came back, and it was just so funny. My, it was with my dad, with it was with my dad's computer, and I come back, and I'm like, all right, here's your Bitcoin, and I hand him the computer. <laughs> <laughs> Did he get it right away too? Was he like palms? Was he yeah. like, sweet? O- honestly, we, we, we didn't get it until yeah, ac- like we didn't actually get it. Mm-hmm. Um, on, a, I mean, it, it took us a couple of days literally to say, okay, let's just try this out, and I mean, we didn't we didn't buy a lot, but. It was at least just kind of dabble, and then the more I, I I started looking into it, the more fascinating it was. So, and so like beyond Andreas, like let's let's hop into like a Hasu like episode. Like, how did you learn? What were your
0: sources? Yeah, what uh, what was your strategy? Because obviously, it seems like you have uh, bootstrapped your knowledge pretty quickly.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I mean, so I listened to Hasu's podcast, uh, and and I actually reached out to him right after, and, and we kind of had, had a, a quick call after that because. I was just so fascinated at at how much of what he said resonated with my my learning experience as well. Where, you know, there's just so much filtering that needs to be done. Right. You find that one person or that those few people were like, this guy clearly has some some dank signal and you just go and you just keep and you just keep like just, just following him. And then you always cre- striving for that dank signal. I like that. <laughs> that might be a new band tagline. There you go. And then you, <laughs> and then you create a mental model of that person and then you move on to the next. Uh, and so for me, I, I, I was really lucky because after, so after having, having bought my, my first Bitcoin, um, I, I was off to an internship um, in the Valley so i was i was interning at at, at a vc okay uh, and it was a really small vc there were three partners and and myself and it was an enterprise software which is like super unsexy mm-hmm. uh and there was a realization that i had where i was like there's only so much value that i could provide to these guys who have decades of experience uh beyond just you know sourcing some some deals and, and looking at some industry analysis and assessing momentum and so I was like okay there's got to be something uh that I can provide to them that they're not necessarily aware of and at that time it was also the first time I had been exposed to bitcoin so I'm like you know what why don't I just spend the summer just day and night looking at bitcoin from a research and investment perspective and it wasn't just bitcoin it was obviously crypto and in, in general the landscape yeah uh the, the landscape and so I, I went kind of through the whole phase of, you know, you start with Bitcoin and then you look at, you know, ETH and you're like, wow, dude, fuck Bitcoin. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, wait, what, what is this even to begin with? Uh, and so you go through the whole FAT protocol phase and then slowly but surely you start to realize, wait, it, it all comes back to Bitcoin. Um, and so that's kind of the realization that I had. Uh, I'm kind of very lucky that I, I was actually pretty it it was pretty easy for me to filter out the signal from the noise so you obviously have your blockchain versus you know crypto Mm -hmm. and then within that you have your web 3.0 versus your money right uh and and i found the web 3.0 thesis to be interesting um i do as well i i i think that there's a that that there is a a lot to do there but if we're talking from an investment perspective still quite unproven and at the end of the day, both you and I know it's like cryptocurrencies are money uh, and not equity, or and so you know. Yeah, and I mean, what we're seeing now with lightning
0: too—it looks like the Web three vision could be built out on top of Bitcoin. Oh yeah, I like,
1: I like I like to say that da- uh, lapse are the new DApps, right? Yeah, the I mean, for <laughs> the new DApps, the laps are getting a. Uh like crazy usage yeah, I mean we we saw it. bit devs all all the stuff that was going on, right uh, that was quite fascinating right quite quite fascinating, and it felt for, like uh, we had like a glimpse into the future it, 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 it was and and I, I think that we're going to continue to kind of see this this migration from your crypto devs to your Bitcoin devs, where it's like now you're actually wanting to just go back to the to the basics and build on top of Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And and you know I, there there seems to be like this this misconception that uh, Bitcoin's UX is never going to actually look nice and and in the apps that built are built on top of it, but we were definitely proven wrong. Yeah, and it's, and that's actually like
0: a good thing to bring up. Like the UX is getting better, but I will say, like, and I said this in the newsletter, like, hey, we should give like Ethereum and the Web three. Uh, builders quote unquote uh, little props because they build out these UX flows that are actually beautiful and uh, probably should be instituted to some degree but again I mean,
1: like, ap- I mean Jewel was taken from the MetaMask yeah uh, MetaMask and MyCrypto like a
0: combo of the two exactly and then uh, but yeah like you, those apps are being built on a foundation of sand I would argue uh, and I, I believe others would argue as well and it's the whole uh, sort of uh, I don't want to say ethos but it's like the mentality of bitcoiners is hey we want to be building on sound sound ground like on solid foundation and right now bitcoin in my opinion is the soundest uh, of all the the cryptocurrency foundations right now
1: yep and if we continue to kind of see this layered architecture uh who knows what what lightning interfaces will look like in in, in a decade from now
0: right yeah. we'll get we'll get more into the technical stuff first you have a very low tie preference story to tell us <laughs> Yes. What? <laughs> what so tell it, so for you freaks you guys obviously don't know this yet you will find out momentarily but Yassine, uh I have been told by many people <laughs> has gone to extremes to to prove extremes, but. to prove how <laughs> low time preference he is
1: yeah so th- this this one's for Matt specifically because Matt doesn't know about this one and and so i I'm gonna lay it down from from the beginning but um so there there's this saying that as bitcoiners we know it's like you know you don't change bitcoin bitcoin changes you right very yes very important (laughs) i first heard it through arjun uh and it's this idea in the context of time preference specifically or or lowering time preference right we're like you know as as humans especially as a 22 year old that just graduated it's like very short-term in our thinking we're constantly thinking about consumption 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 and we don't take time to sit and say you know what maybe we should save not only for ourselves but you know for our family and for our future generations um and for bitcoiners what what I feel quite appealing um when you first get in is that you realize that this is really uh, a gateway to lowering your time preference right and it, it it's incredible and and anyone who's outside of it doesn't really understand it but when you're in it it's like it's just so obvious um and so my kind of approach in all of this was all right i'm recently graduated i still got that rush of adrenaline uh i i I can kind of you know find my way into new york uh and and so let's find a place to live right and Mm so my first kind of uh, stab at it was i'm just going to find a place close to work it's going to be nice i might not find roommates so i'll be by myself uh, and and I'll I'll be paying enough where I can then you know save and accumulate Bitcoin and and then we'll see where it, where it goes from there, uh you know little did I know rent in Manhattan is <laughs> an absurdity it's it's actually crazy how expensive uh, rent is here. some of the most expensive in the world it, absolutely I mean by Swift it. kick in the dick every uh, <laughs> first day of the month that, I mean I I and the the thing that I did not realize is that they charge fifteen percent uh broker fees as well, if you want to go through your traditional route. And so, um, so, and so my approach was, okay, I I have two options. The first is I can either pay a normal amount of rent in Manhattan and save very little. And so accumulate very little Bitcoin or just completely 180 it and say, you know what? I'm just going to find the cheapest place I can find within an hour of my work. And see how long I can survive and how long I can last. Where were you? Uh, so I was in Red Hook. So I ended up finding <laughs> a place next to Brooklyn and Red Hook, <laughs> and and it was just uh, so my kind of uh, my quest into finding this this place was I went on the back pages of Facebook and Craigslist, reached out to a bunch of people, uh, ended up looking at houses, and I had one criteria. It just needed to be clean. If it was clean, we're chilling, right? That's all you can ask for. That's all you can ask for, right? That's all you can ask for. Little did you know, (laughs) I go to the first apartment and they show me the apartment and uh, there's no window in the room. That's depressing. Dude, I don't think you understand. When you go into a bedroom and there's no window, it's like, okay, you got to up your standards a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and so I end up finding a, a place after having visited another apartment that had like, you know, five bedrooms in the same room. And I'm like, okay, if this is what the price point is going to get, I, I got to find something. So I end up finding a place in Red Hook um, that had a room that had a window and that was clean. And the trifecta. It was the trifecta. <laughs> and I'm just so happy. And so for anyone who appreciates OPSEC, this, this, this whole setup was also... Uh great. The landlord I had actually never met. All she wanted was was my first name and my username for my Venmo account. So the rent was month to month. What? Yeah, no, it was crazy. It was crazy. That's so dope. <laughs> it was pretty sketchy though. Now that definitely now sketchy that I think about. But it worked it. out. Right? It worked <laughs> out. I I I guaranteed I think I found the cheapest place in all of New York for the and I and I lived there for for almost 5 months. Are you willing to disclose? I can, I mean, I can disclose. Yeah, no problem. So uh, with everything, with maintenance, electricity, uh, I was paying 700 a month. <sighs> so, which is good, which is good for New York. If you know, it's very York. good. It's good for New York. How um, long was that commute? Was it an hour? It was about an hour commute. Um, what'd you take the James? What I took that, the F. The F. I the took F- the F, F-, F up. So I was living with, uh, with three random women. From, Never a bad thing. Yeah. From, <laughs> 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 from all walks of life, from all, like all age. All age distribution you had like a 20 year old who was still in college. you had a fifty year old who had you know retired and was into urban planning and volunteering at, at the farmers' market and then you had someone in, in her in her mid thirties who had like this black cat and and just was kind of finding a a, a job in the meantime and so I was kind of there uh, and and I had a great time i i, I don't I think that do you, do you keep in touch with your roommates i don't keep in touch with my roommates. <laughs> but but the my the as I was departing um they're like, "Well, it was great to have you. Is there anything else that, you know, we we can do or that you can you can help us with?" And I was like, "Yes, there's one thing." And I just pitched them Bitcoin. Uh, <laughs> I <was> just- <laughs> and I was like this is, I was like, you know, this is something that you know I, I work in and and I would highly recommend you, you look into it. I'm not telling you to buy Bitcoin. I'm t- I'm telling you to just educate yourself um on understanding, you know, the the context of Bitcoin in today's monetary systems.
0: Like a true evangelist. It, uh, it was it was lowering quite, his time preference, finding <laughs> finding a seven hundred dollar apartment in New York for three women. Uh leaving with a Bitcoin <laughs> note, going on to the next apartment with that's the low-time exactly preference right. price point. And, and you keep be, spreading the word.
1: That's, I mean, <laughs> you'd be shocked at like... So the, the apartment was also... Uh, it could fit me in a bed. It didn't, It could not even... There wasn't even enough room to fit my clothes. So you know what I did for my clothes? I rented out a locker at the gym. Really? And I would just have 80% of my clothes there. And in the morning, I'd go to the gym, take a shower there, come back. That's ap- a good motivator to get workout in. You, you'd be surprised at how like the physical constraint made you so, like made me just so much product more productive. Well, let's get into that. So yeah, you lower your time preference, you're, you're forced to uh, adapt and so how did, how, yeah. So how were you forced to adapt? You had to get, yeah. up, get to the gym every so, day? Yeah. So that, that's kind of, so th- there was a, there are far more takeaways that I found. I mean, I'm i I'm a, I'm still young. So take all of this with a grain of salt. Uh, but I th- there were a lot of learning experiences that I had from this. I feel um, like this should have been a true life episode. Th- th- it absolutely <laughs> should. Have. MTV Whatever. True so, Life. <laughs> I'm a Bitcoiner trying to lower my
0: time preference. <laughs> Dude, I,
1: I mean, did you see the the tweet? Uh, this guy tweeted after uh, listening to Morad and Pomp's uh, podcast that he had quit smoking. Oh yeah, and, he and was that, buying Bitcoin. And anyway. that he was buying Bitcoin instead. But this this is a real thing, man. <laughs> right?
0: I mean, it's a good idea. Uh lower your time preference higher your expected life expense expectancy Too Uh, Yeah, your life expectancy
1: So that's exactly right. Um for me. It was like I quickly realized how We're almost constrained by our own comfort And and it's true because I was I had no choice but to wake up at six and come back and crash at 10. I had to go to the gym um and and it, and, I, and I never had felt more productive. So I, I ended up moving. Um, so I, I moved actually a couple of weeks ago because the, the ceiling actually started to leak. And I was like, okay. Can't, might, can't have that. It, it might be time to go. Um, but in my new apartment, which I'm like, and I'm like 15 minutes away from work, it's a struggle to wake up before 8. <laughs> and it's just because I can, right? And right? Then, so it's like, it's so weird how it's like, you, you're in this almost feedback loop um, when you're constrained that just makes you constantly try to outdo yourself. Yeah. Uh, and then when you're too comfortable, it's like, oh, this is, this is too easy. And so it's like I'm, I'm allowed to let myself go.
0: Yeah. No, that's why I like the newsletter. It forces me to wake up and start doing something right away. Yeah. I freaks I have been slacking with the newsletters but out a little later
1: and later it's getting <laughs> hard to write you know
0: it's getting hard to write in the bear market so
1: how, what's your strategy on that just wake up and try to find something to write about it, is it usually like you, you, you go you go through Twitter or yeah you I guess like or what I retweeted and like the day before it's like alright that's nice. well, interesting okay well see what, the what first the first time to? I was on that newsletter you should have seen how I, 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 I was just like achievement unlocked man. that was just <laughs> so great I'm like I gotta I gotta I gotta tell my, my mama <laughs> Uh, it's the whole point is like trying to like boost this to signal boost
0: people, and if you're putting out good shit, it's not yeah. that hard to get in the newsletter. Thank you for providing fodder to write about. Well, like, thank you. It's, for, a, uh, it's a symbiotic relationship, probably more uh, parasitic on my end, but uh, it is. Uh, no, thank you for
1: putting out your shit. I'm happy to signal boost it. I yeah. mean, it, it, it's kind of so motivating, and that's that's honestly when getting into for those who aren't familiar with crypto twitter it's actually incredible how accessible people are right um and that's just so motivating because it's like you come from literally nothing uh to reaching out to people who are willing to um not only educate but also talk to you and and directly respond to any questions that you have and uh and i think like there's a going to be a massive shift in just how we build ourselves out, um, and it starts starts with Twitter.
0: No, it's crazy, man. I don't want to sound like b- braggy. I don't. I don't want to say brag. I don't want to sound like pompous or anything. But like, if you say like good shit, people will follow you. Like I was, I was nervous. Like I've been on Twitter since 2011, and I was always nervous to say shit. Like I, I'm a bad tweeter. Number one, like I cannot craft good tweets. Not, like, Come on, really Marty. That. I, everyone, everyone knows that you're a great tweeter. Number number two. <laughs> I never like had the the courage like voice my opinion, but uh, with Bitcoin I felt compelled to and started and yeah for like the first six years I was on Twitter I think I had like three hundred followers and then started talking and it's at like ten point five k now it's like holy shit look at the, you how the hell did that happen five digits five digits yeah I, I mean the one e- comma club
1: <laughs> even beyond having a follower base it's even if you don't you can still reach out to people, and exactly. most of the time they'll answer. Exactly. Um, and so just as a learning mechanism, that's that's been quite valuable.
0: Yeah, no, and if sliding into DMs has been, that's how this podcast happens. I'm just like, hey, do you want to come on? No, uh, I've said this many times on this podcast. Twitter is the best communication tool that, that's ever been created up
1: to this point in time. I'll 100%. Argue. Uh, it's bre- the best professional networking tool as well, because it's it's low key, almost professional networking, but they actually end up just becoming your friends. Right. Uh, exactly. you know, but it's true. It's, right. it's like w- what I realized with Twitter is that you're I, what makes someone appealing is their ideas more than it is like who they are, or that you met them, you know, because they live next to you. It's like you have such similar ideas to the way that I think, let me reach out to you. And it's like, Oh wow, we're actually similar in a lot of ways. Yeah. We should meet up and hang out. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really what it is. We should definitely, uh, with with a bunch of, a bunch of guys just, uh, set something up. Bit devs is already a, a, a good starting point for that. I don't know if I told you this, but the first time I met Arjun, uh, Arjun Balaji, um, it was at a bit devs. Oh really? And yeah. And so I, I was following him. Um, and I, I don't know if he was following me back, but he introduces himself as, as Arjun and I go and I and I turn around and I'm like, Yo, what's up, dude? As if I'd like known him for so <laughs> long. He's like, Sorry, who who are you? I'm like, Oh, oh yeah, right. I, I just know you through Twitter. Um My name's Yassine. <laughs> my name's Yasin. Uh, <laughs> no, that's like
0: my first uh, bit yeah. I think I told this story uh I don't know if I told the story on the podcast, but I told it the other night. Uh, my first bit devs in New York city. Like I was like so nervous. Like I'd only have the same thing. Like I was mm-hmm. still, uh, I'd only ever like seen like people on Twitter. And like, right. I was like at the bit Devs meet up like nervous. Like, Holy shit. Like all these Bitcoin devs are here. Like that I've only ever seen on Twitter. And I was like nervous. And we were at union square ventures. This is so embarrassing. <laughs> uh, and, uh, at Union Square Ventures, where the bit does was being held, you can see across Union Square. There's a huge clock that has like it goes down like twenty digits. I had just moved to New York. I was like nervous, like mm-hmm. really didn't have my bearings. It was seven thirty at night, so the clock had shown like nineteen thirty, and I was like standing there next to Peter Todd and like had nothing to say. I was like, "All right, Marty, say something." <laughs> I was like, ah, how prescient we're here at a bit. Bitcoin meetup talking about creating a new money. We had the national debt clock across like <laughs> square. <laughs> that's Peter <so> Todd good. <laughs> Peter Todd looked me in the eyes. And was like that's uh that's a time clock, buddy. I was like, Oh my god.
1: <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. Well nope. I mean
0: But again, even uh even after that he uh he put aside my idiocy and uh was very, very good at explaining Bitcoin and stuff like that. So
1: these people are very accessible and we are very spoiled here in New York in particular, I would argue. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, w- when my friends say, what have you been up to and who have you been hanging out with? I'm like just a bunch of people I met on Twitter <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, what? I, I, I genuinely think that for those who aren't, um, in the Twitter sphere, uh, that there's just a, a complete disconnect disconnect. in and just in, in terms of how valuable Twitter actually is at arc. So, um, Kathy, the our, our CEO, she the one of the main reasons why she founded Arc was um, in terms of just the inability for your traditional asset management firms to um, be able to research in a in a manner that wasn't constrained by compliance, right. and so she wanted to kind of create this open source research ecosystem where Twitter was at the heart of that. Where really. like, yeah, I mean, the my Twitter account is a is a, a personal account when I'm not a part of Arc, but it's a it's a it's a work account when I am. Yeah, um, and it's part of like kind of our research process where it's you're able to kind of constantly test your assumptions, reach out to people, and, and in the traditional world you can't actually do that. And so uh, there's a lot that that we've taken from using Twitter just from a uh, understanding, you know, our our research um, that traditionally you can't really get. Um,
0: that's very very interesting. Mm-hmm. That like s- this public tool like this can be leveraged. Whereas like in the past it would be something like Bloomberg where you pay thousands of dollars a month. But I wouldn't even call them like so similar. Like, Twitter gives you like such another
1: right. Thing. I mean, or even LinkedIn. Like LinkedIn yes. is is, is ass. terrible. <laughs> LinkedIn is <Yeah>. ass. I'm still on Are you reason. are you a crypto expert on LinkedIn? No, <laughs> God no, God no. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, the the first uh, first week on the job. Uh, I was like, oh yeah, I'm I'm in Bitcoin. So I I wrote cryptocurrency analyst uh, as my title, and uh, and after getting the flood of of messages, I'm like, okay, I'm not I'm even done. putting crypto anywhere near LinkedIn. I'm a janitor, yeah. exactly. janitor on LinkedIn, <laughs> yeah, janitor uh, for the for the digital
0: cypherpunk revolution. I mean, um, so let's ahead into mining. You're interested in mining. You want to talk a lot about mining. There's a lot of interesting stories going on with about mining in particular right now. Coin Chairs recently or yesterday, just recently yesterday, came out with something that I wrote about. We'll get to that later. Yeah. You've done some great stuff on mining as well. You've been doing research
1: around it, in particular at
0: ARC. What have you been looking at?
1: Yeah. So, some of the first research that I've been looking at at, at ARC is in and around mining. Um, so, one of the first papers um, I read that kind of really clarified uh, what Bitcoin's core innovation was. Um, and no, it's not blockchain. Um, <laughs> was uh, was Bitcoin's academic pedigree by uh, Arvind Naranyan, I'm mispronouncing that. And, and Jeremy Clark, mm-hmm. uh, where basically, and he and I, and I quote this: uh, He's like, they say Bitcoin is not it's not in any of its individual components, but rather the intricate way in which these components fit together mm-hmm. to breathe life into the system. Um, and so that at the highest level, we understand. Um, that Bitcoin is bootstrapped uh, with uh, a circular dependence on three main components, right? Uh, you have your reward mechanism that incentivizes honest node behavior during consensus process. You have proof of work that does away with uh, identity and civil attacks. And then you have a consensus algorithm, Nakamoto consensus, um, to prevent double spending, right? Mm-hmm. So it's the reward mechanism combined with proof of work and Nakamoto consensus uh, that is really its core innovation, right? right. Um, now, increasingly, especially in this bear market, we, we get so much FUD around you know the viability of proof of work, as you know, and as coin know around around the energy front, uh, but also um, on threats to just network decentralization, mm-hmm. right? Um, where there's this base assertion now that. Bitcoin's proof-of-work is inherently converging towards centralization, right. um, and that at the end of the day, you'll just have a handful of very large, vertically integrated entities that will end up you know, not only dominating consensus, but also the whole mining ecosystem as a whole, right? And so I, I when first getting into that, bought kind of into it, because I, I wasn't really familiar with, with the mining dynamics, um, and so this research that I, was, that I did, which was in collaboration um, with Derek Hsu, who's at Blockchain Capital, mm-hmm. uh, we actually... was a Penn kid too. Yeah, we, we, we graduated the same, same year uh, and I met him at Penn. Uh, and we were kind of the first two who... Uh, we, we first met at Penn and we really connected just on a, on a crypto level. So, Boss. um So what we decided to do is like basically explore and break down every layer of the mining stack... Um, and the mining pipeline and assess like the situation in that, you know When you actually break down every layer of the stack You realize that it's far more nuanced than you know Bitmain owns 50% hash power. And so right. we're, we're all screwed, right? Um, but so that's such an easy narrative. It's so it's easy. So it's easy. so <laughs> <laughs> It is and and that's why the easy things sell um, right and uh, we 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 have to one step at a time just debunk the fud so um so the, so roughly the mining pipeline is it's broken into five stages um mm-hmm. and I, I i i'm i'm sure that you're aware of this but to provide context it actually helps it helps it helps me to you know kind of get a historical look at kind of how mining has evolved i like um, that i can appreciate that they, uh, sure so um in 2009, we know like, you know, Bitcoin mining began as this this hobbyist activity, right, where the first mining was performed by your standard CPU from desktops. Um, and then about a year later, mining hardware shifted to GPUs, where you had your first publicly available GPU miners that appeared in late 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, and then given the increased difficulty to mine, the whole idea of pooled mining was was introduced the same year. Uh, which then allowed entities to basically you know con- uh, uh, participate in in a in a single pool and then share the rewards based on how much they've contributed uh pro rata um and then 2011 you had your FPGA based miners uh which was even more specialized than GPUs Yeah how long was that was that a period of a, So that that, a, that FPGA, was was that like th- f- th- that was very sh- very very quick a uh, short I believe right. uh a few uh, like a, a year or something like that or it might have so when I'm not exactly sure when ASICs hit the uh hit the landscape. Um I know iter- so I don't know if you read the iterative capital uh mm-hmm. yeah, thesis. Yeah, yeah. So they actually have a really interesting chart um on how hash rate increases uh, based on the evolution of chips. Right. Um but yeah, so after FPGAs um you had your ASICs, right? Which were basically used for the sole purpose of mining uh, Bitcoin with the SHA-256 algorithm. Um, And so with the rise of these ASICs, the mining ecosystem has really just turned into a full-out professional industry, right? Where Mm -hmm. your computation is now in these data centers. um, And so what was once a hobbyist activity uh, in Bitcoin's early days has now just turned into a fully-fledged professional industry,
0: right? And... Well, so let's talk about the inter- not yeah. only an industry but a fully fledged supply chain. Well, yeah. Uh, industry, so that yeah. so
1: so we kind of looked at the supply chain, and so it's yeah. not so that, that and that, that's what kind of the really interesting part is, right? Where it's like, okay, now that we've assessed the evolution into a professional mining industry, your classic fuzzer is going to go, okay. Well, now you have these large mining equipment manufacturers like Bitmain, who have been able to create these profitable businesses, although as of late. You know, it's questionable.
0: Hard it's, to be profitable it, when you have B cash on your or even Bitcoin on your balance sheet. Trade
1: trade of the year, huh? <laughs> um and so 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 that's basically kind of the argument uh where you have these large uh miners who have exposure to every layer of the stack. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh so at the so the first stage starts at, at the ASIC design level, right? Um, so, you have these design services um, provided by these mining equipment manufacturers that develop and optimize um, mining chip architecture, right? And so, this involves really highly trained individuals and teams, and they can basically drastically affect the quality of a manufacturer's design. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, hardware engineers who are familiar with the ASIC design process specifically. Uh, they're really heavily coveted in the mining manufacturing yes. space. There's like four, right? Four foundries
0: or I, I, exactly. So they're yeah. so,
1: so there, um, so, so the foundries are separate from the actual ASIC d- design. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm, I'll, I'll, go into that. Um, but I, I'm talking more about basically, for instance, I don't know if you saw the whole what's miner. Uh, oh yes. yes, right? yes, yes. So, so that's a really good example of that. Where, I'm thinking of, a, yeah, I'm thinking of a step before that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'll, I'll go to the, I'll, I'll talk about the step, but, but But so Bitmain, for instance, you know, had a history of failing their tape outs Mm -hmm. um, and it cost them hundreds of millions of dollars. And so there was actually speculation that that was because their former lead engineer um, left and Mm -hmm. started his own company, What's Miner. And his team, you know, was reportedly responsible for the S9 and the S7. And so What's Miner now comes out with their own miner and you kind of do the the comps uh, and you realize that What's Miner is actually more efficient than the S9, right? Um, And so that's exactly right. So to your point, you have mining chip architecture and that mining chip architecture is designed with consideration for the latest generation node. And those Mm -hmm. nodes are the ones supplied by foundries. Yes. So for the freaks out there. See, so yeah, I've been waiting for that. Waiting. <laughs> you know, you know, I, 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 so the, for the, the, practicing practicing this out, the, the freaks out there, I was practicing for, I'm not going <laughs> to lie. <about that. laughs> so, um, so what, what is it? Cause I didn't know this, right? So mm-hmm. a, a tech node is just a standardized semiconductor manufacturing process and it's design rules. Uh, and so with that, that just basically involves mm-hmm. making integrated circuits with transistors that have specific features around performance and around size, right? Mm-hmm. And so each generation of the semiconductor process is classified as node of length X nanometer. So that's why you see the 7 nanometer, the mm-hmm. 16, the 28, the 55. All of these are basically advancement of the node is prompted by just the shrinking feature size. Okay. Um, so Honest. the small, smaller, the more compact the transistors are, the yeah. more advanced the node is. Um. And so this tech node is the process that's used to create the integrated circuits uh, present in these mining rigs. And so, um, on a cost basis, that's like the most expensive part of of the of the, the box. Work. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, what's kind of really interesting is that as Bitcoin mining chips have transitioned to ASICs, the a rig's efficiency is now largely driven by how advanced the technology node is and the technology node is not actually in bit, the bit mains of the world don't actually have any control over that right exactly and so if you look at the trend in the last five years of how like for instance the replacement cycles of of bitcoin asic hardware mm-hmm. um they've extended dramatically so it's really interesting if you plot down when Bitmain released their first batch, their second batch versus now like their S9s. It just slowly 6, six 12 18 exactly. Exactly. 20, probably like 36 after that. It, 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 exactly. So it's like in terms of just the the amount of times to replace that cycle, it's like you had November of 2013, Bitmain released its S1. That was uh that that S1 ran at like 2000 watts per terahash. Uh, The following summer, Bitmain releases their S3. It's three times more efficient. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so you compare that to 2016, where Bitmain released the S9. We're now in 2018, and they just announced that they were going to release the S15, or I don't know which one it was. uh, The the next. But basically, it took two years for them uh, to develop a new node. And so is this a product of... Like like you said, everything's just getting more efficient,
0: harder to innovate on, so is this going to lead us to a period where uh,
1: it's sort of perfectly competitive where Exactly yeah, so that was, our, that, that was basically our takeaway, right? Where it's mm-hmm. like the reason why Bitmain was was able to have such short replacement cycles. Um, where you could literally and, and that's where they that was their bread and butter right whereas like every three months they'd come out with a new rig and mm-hmm. they'd screw the market because because these, these miners would have to buy this new rig in order to stay competitive um, but the reason why is because they actually weren't caught up to the latest cutting edge node so i could you know if a samsung or a tsm like taiwanese semi-manufacturing company they're developing you know, a 10 nanometer or 7 nanometer node, and the mining space is still on 55 nanometer or 28 nanometer. They're going to have an inherent advantage. Exactly. Anything they're, anything. they're able to have these very fast replacement cycles, and now we're at a point where your rate-determining step is at the node level, where it's like we're at 7 nanometers now, and the most efficient rigs are 7 nanometers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... What's really interesting is kind of looking at the foundry dynamics as a result of that, okay. right? So to give you an idea, so the foundries are the ones who, who, who provide the, the, the cutting-edge mm-hmm. node uh, or nodes, right? And so to date, there are 28 uh, foundries that provide node fabrication. Only three provide leading edge, right? right? And only two are relevant to Bitcoin. You have Samsung and you have TSM. Okay, and TSM pretty much destroys uh, Samsung on this front. And so, if we really want to talk centralization, it's it's at the foundry level Mm -hmm. more than it is um, at you know the mining equipment level. Right. No,
0: that's like the big. That's probably and I've argued this uh, in person, like in or in private in the past. Like that's probably is the most centralizing factor. It's the foundries and it's, but it's like such a arduous process to start a foundry
1: right like exactly so development requires like billions of dollars of investment right Um, and the only way that foundries can prevent um, increasing r&d costs is by driving up chip prices uh, or uh, without driving up chip prices is by just producing more chips Mm -hmm. and so you see this just i don't know if you saw uh, in a couple months ago global foundries they announced that they were just going to halt their their development on the cutting edge node and they were going to focus on something else. So you kind of see this funneling where it's like only the large players can keep up with the cutting edge node because otherwise it just costs too much. Right. And at each node advancement, the required capex also increases. So you have like the number of foundries that are decreasing while the cost to create the cutting edge node is increasing. So you're going to be able to just price gauge people. Exactly. Exactly. Uh and so to your point about kind of leveling the playing field where you know in 2016 your S9 was by far the most uh Efficient. performant yeah. performant minor by by far like if you run the numbers just on on a specs basis. Um 2 years in Bitmain still hasn't released their own because they're at now the latest node. Um, and now, like, your com- competition is entirely indistinguishable. You have, like, What's Miner, you have in a Silicon, you have Canon, you have GMO, you have Ebang, you have all these. And it's like Bitmain is kind of in the middle of the pack. Um, and so you start to realize that the competitive advantage is, is going to come not at the, at the design level anymore, uh, it's going to come at uh, like the OPEX part. Exactly. Right. That's right. And so this kind of further reinforces the idea of, you know, t- uh, this the concept of ASIC commoditization, uh, which I first heard through Tour. Um, he, it, it's, exactly, it's exactly that. It's Let's like, describe <laughs> it. Describe ASIC commodification. So it's this idea that mining players like Bitmain no longer have a competitive edge okay. because... They because the rate determining step is at the node level, mm-hmm. and so in the last two years we've been able to see a bunch of competition catch up to Bitmain um, on a performance level, and so now you basically have five or six players providing the exact same miner. Yes, uh, and so the the whole providing mining equipment is just completely commoditized as a result. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's what. Okay. So that's mm-hmm. how.
0: I uh, I haven't heard Tor's, uh description of it that way, so I thought it, I so, thought
1: yeah. So explain to me what, do, what I was getting into yeah. like.
0: So mm-hmm. I was trying to drive us into mm-hmm. like where are the opex efficiencies going to be driven now? Because like obviously people are going to be focusing on that. So it's like energy costs right. now. And, right.
1: Right. So I mean I mean if you kind of think about like the the cost. So that that's that's for for mining, right? The cost to mine yeah. uh, is largely driven by electricity costs. You have your maintenance, your cooling, your leasing, and you have obviously the hardware costs, which mm-hmm. I mean, the life cycle life cycle of hardware is is going to extend out uh, now that we are at the latest node. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, electricity costs. So you know, paying ten cents per kilowatt hour versus one cent per kilowatt hour is going to be the difference between mining profitably and not mining profitably. Uh, and so from that from that uh, standpoint, we're definitely seeing a, a a con a convergence towards just zero cost electricity. Um, and which so is beautiful. It's it's fantastic, um, right? And that's
0: what I mean. That's what I wrote about in the Ben today. I was yep. touching on the coin thing. Is mm. like it's driving. Like shout out to Phil Geiger. I believe. I hope I'm getting your name right, Phil. He pointed this out to me on Twitter yesterday. But Bitcoin literally pays us to use renewable energy, which like drives uh, the demand for renewable energy and therefore the production of renewable energy uh, and. Theoretically, in the search and drive for that renewable energy, there will be excess, which can be used for other things other than Bitcoin mining.
1: Exactly. Uh, so we kind of both really enjoyed that coin shares piece. <laughs> <laughs> Give me your thoughts on it. Give the freaks your thoughts so, on it. So, I, I mean, I, I, this, this idea that, you know, Bitcoin can be a mechanism to unlock these these stranded energy assets. Um I think is is something that we can, you need to continue pushing the narrative for because right? I mean it, it, the coin shares for a lot of people was was quite uh was quite enlightening opening it was and
0: so let's let's so there's a lot of people uh that were in my men. she say well like, that that's flawed there's no way it's 77% uh number one I don't know if that's true it seems like these guys did some pretty thorough research number two even if it's a magnitude of order off like say it was 25% the world average of uh, industries using renewable uh, uh, energy is like 18%. So, even if coin is off by 50%, Bitcoin is still an improvement on, on your typical industry in this world. I mean, th-
1: that's the thing with these FUDsters, and I that... don't think it's 50% wrong. So yeah, I, 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 mean, you would w- know more than I. I, I so I, I, the extent to which I did research on this was literally just reading the paper, okay? Um, but. Th- they'll never be satisfied anyways. So it's right. like if you say 70%, 50%, 10%, they'll always find an excuse. Um, but this is actually something that I've, that's triggered my interest, especially after reading the coin shares. Uh, and I was talking about this to you earlier before the podcast, um, where it's like, there's a really interesting hypothetical uh, that I, I was discussing with, uh, with Jonathan Libov, who mm-hmm. was formerly at USB and now yeah. he's at Bloomberg. And yeah, he's great. And we're thinking about, you know, our, our next uh, the next topic of research to be around around this this hypothetical or this thought experiment. Right. Where it's like we're wondering if uh, some of the angst around energy efficiency uh, of Bitcoin mining is just due to the fact that Satoshi may not have anticipated this situation entirely in terms of the opportunity to unlock these energy stranded assets. So what do you mean? so here's here's an interesting thought experiment. Right? I like so, this thought so you, experiment. so you have, so you have two there are two thought experiments that that we can play off of. The first is is less realistic, but I'm still going to do it because Jonathan was the one who presented this one, and then I countered with the the second thought experiment, which seems to be a, a little bit more realistic. but um, what so what would the debate look like, right? if the original white paper had proposed Bitcoin as a solution to this problem, right? Where hydropower is not fully utilized because of transport costs, where, you know, solar and wind power is not fully utilized because of variability. Geothermal. Right, exactly. So so um, what if Satoshi came and said, you know what, why don't we just build out this this arbitrary asset uh, that unlocks this, this energy demand? Um, and so if we kind of shift the perception like that, where it's like, you know, I am building this asset because I see an opportunity to create positive externalities. I guarantee you that, you know, we wouldn't ever be talking about whether or not this wastes energy. Right. Um, If it was just preface, that's certainly exactly. Uh, So, so that's kind of, that's the idea. It's like, first, let's acknowledge that um, energy is not fully utilized. Second, let's find a better way to utilize it. And third, Let's just build sovereign money.
0: Yes. And then Mm -hmm. so like that's what I wanted to touch on towards the Mm -hmm. end of the bend today was like, Mm -hmm. what does this open up from a possibility of human ingenuity now that these previously unharnessable energy sources are now able to be tapped into? Like, how does that change the way we operate as a society?
1: I mean, I don't mean to drop a heavy question. No, but I mean, well, I think it just goes back to the fact that that we are discussing that Satoshi didn't necessarily realize this this insight, and right. that you know, ten years in, there's something that is groundbreaking in terms of not only how we can position Bitcoin as uh, a saver of uh, stranded energy assets, but also as in, like, who knows what 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 that might look like in in a, in a few years, and when we kind of. Exactly, like you say, untap untap this uh, human ingenuity.
0: Yeah, like talk about externalities. Uh, that's why, like, yeah, uh, I love Andrew DeSantis's idea that there will be communities around uh, mining operations that are tapping into these these previously untapped resources. So right. you'll you'll have like a more disparate uh, human humanity right. in a good way, like more localized and stuff like that. Um, no, but I it's like, a- It's like crazy to think of like, okay, again, like Bitcoin presented an optionality with money where it's like, all right, now we have, we'll we'll actually get onto the tweet that we have up here eventually, but uh, provides an optionality between fiat money uh, that did not, fiat money and uh, apolitical money that did not previously exist 10 years ago. And now, not only does it create that optionality, it's allowing us to tap into this energy resource and then just like. Just by even like creating activity around these these uh, sources of energy is going to like somehow lead to some sort of innovation or something like that. We don't even know. That, that's the thing. We, we have no idea. It would not have been explored unless there was a reason to expend energy to chase this funny internet money that we're all addicted to.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, I, and then even the, the that's getting cosmic on a friday night dude I, my, my mind kind of hurts right now <laughs> <laughs> but, but uh like even more realistically um it's so there's the, the 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 flip side to that where it's like okay let's not start with the premise of there is an op- there is a way for us to unlock energy assets it's like let's start with okay Let's build sovereign money, mm-hmm. right? Like Satoshi. So that's the first kind of thing is that I want to build sovereign money. Um, and then let's find a way to then build sovereign money while keeping in mind that there are also underutilized and stranded energy assets, mm-hmm. right? And so why not unlock all unused stranded energy assets? By building sovereign money, mm-hmm. and it's like what if Sato- what if he had presented the white paper like that? Powering powering our sovereign right. money with uh, stranded it, it, renewable it, it, energy sources. And there, there's there's no way that you'd have this FUD. The outcome would be the same, and it would just be like you know that's it. There's the perception though is different. Oh, and so it seems like it would be too easy. It, it does, but right? I think it had to went. be this way. Like, oh, in terms of uh, in terms of yeah, you had to. I mean, yeah you got you. no pain no gain right exactly <laughs> exactly yeah.
0: but no i do agree it would be so much easier if that was maybe that's hey we're talking a lot about narratives in this bear market maybe this is one we should be focusing a lot more i, on.
1: I think so i i think it's it's definitely worth exploring more so that's that's what I mean, i'm looking at right now
0: 77 i mean if CoinShares' yeah. stats are correct yeah. which i i mean looking at the methods of their the methodology of their mm-hmm. research it mm-hmm. seems like they have a pretty good grasp of mm-hmm. of the calculations they're they're making. They even admit there there probably is a margin of error, but it's not that that much. They they said seventy seven percent as a conservative estimate. Seventy seven percent renewable energy is used for bitcoin mining where every other industry in the world like 18% of the average that is fucking ridiculous like bitcoin's
1: the cleanest network <laughs> right it's the cleanest industry like in that yeah. framing it's the cleanest industry i mean in the world yeah I, I i i i'd be interested to see a rebuttal to that um to the coinshares paper where it's like maybe there were some assumptions that uh inflated those numbers, but regardless yeah. that we're even having this discussion, right. should say something right yeah
0: and and a lot of people that are like refuting with f butter are like saying china 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 coal, but if you talk to any miners, which I have been recently mm-hmm. like they especially china, miners that have been in China, like a lot of miners moving out of china
1: so what's your what's your exci- i i've I've spoken to a few miners, but most of them are u s based uh if you can if you have like what's the general sentiment in in mining in china the
0: consistent uh ambiguity of the chinese government what they're going to do Uh, and then it uh particularly with the weather situation it's like the dry season there so like the hydroelectric Mm -hmm. dams in china right now aren't uh producing as much water but uh i talked to um, somebody who knows more than I about that situation. They said the the weather's not as
1: uh not as big as effect as people moving. Uh, worried mm-hmm. about like the government cracking down. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I remember watching a uh, an Andreas video where he was like, "Yeah, because that, that you think that yeah, go for it." Yeah, and and, and yeah. the government's cracking down because these miners
0: have just been getting away, at basically like siphoning off free energy, and it's just like getting a, a bigger the. Uh, Microscope on it from the government now, so
1: and you don't think like local authorities are kind of low key in on this, and they're. Just... I'd die, but I mean, I don't know enough about
0: local Chinese culture to speak with authority on on it. But I would highly uh, suspect that that there's definitely some fuckery. Mm-hmm. There's definitely probably some fuckery
1: going around in other countries
0: too, with with local authorities and Bitcoin mining and shit like that. Yeah,
1: I I think last month Iran uh, announced that Bitcoin mining was a legitimate industry. Uh, and so I can only imagine what that might look like now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're saying uh, Morocco was a bit ambiguous with their laws when you were trying to first initially buy Bitcoin, but are they posturing towards being open to Bitcoin mining? So yeah, there's so there's that 900 megawatt uh farm that's being built out. Um, mm-hmm. I I actually spoke to one of the people uh who, who was looking into it. Um, and honestly, at this point, it, it seems you know quite promising and it's exciting a lot of megawatts. but that one it's a lot of megawatts and two it's still very very premature yeah and three uh the idea that there are some parts of the government that still aren't on board with this whole thing to begin with uh and so it has there has to be approval from from the top before any of this can kind of uh come to fruition um, does but, it
0: have anything to do with Bitcoin being like Sharia compliant or?
1: No, I, I mean, I, honestly, I've kind of looked into it. I think Bitcoin is, is pretty Sharia compliant. Yeah. Um, uh, just in terms of the idea of it not bearing really any interest. The, the whole concept of fractional reserve banking doesn't really exist in Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea of, you know, generating profits uh, with without really just by, by just sitting on your money. Mm-hmm. Um, and so th- if you kind of again look at this as as not an investment but as as money and yeah. th- we're just early on in a monetization event um then you know this seems to be much sounder than any of the existing monies that we see today right. which arguably are are a lot sketchier from a, a sharia standpoint yeah um so i would argue um no, it's uh it's fascinating to see
0: uh Bitcoin making governments the world over react in certain ways and how those governments react to to Bitcoin forcing the issue upon them. Because it is forcing the issue upon them. Which actually uh leads me to a quote that I wrote mm-hmm. down and was one of your tweets. Mm-hmm. Bitcoin is the experiment that allows us to experiment. Yes. So we have not been allowed to experiment with uh with with currencies or other monies outside of fiat currencies. And like I said, Bitcoin is forcing the issue and it's allowing us to experiment and the governments have to react to that experiment. Um, And you wrote this, this tweet in reaction to a, to a high quote.
1: You want to expand on it at all? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So this quote was basically about, um, you know, not only has, has the government basically hijacked money, uh, but that they've also limited our ability to experiment with money um and so we don't actually know what the ideal traits were because f- for the last 2000 years uh we haven't really been able to have a free market monetary system uh and so one of the so I'm currently finishing up a paper uh with M- Misir Oh uh, really? Yeah, we're 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 low key collabing on I a, met Misir for the first time on Monday night, it was a pleasure. Yeah, we we've met a few times. It, it was so funny because we have a mutual friend um so he goes to Colombia. Mm-hmm. We have a mutual friend in common uh and after having so we were we started writing the paper and then he texts me he's like yo are you gonna be there saturday i'm like what he's like yeah at this guy's birthday and i'm like no way (laughs) and so so we were both invited to the same birthday and we met there uh we met before the birthday to to finish up the the paper um and small world small world uh but we're basically kind of looking at this idea of you know, is a cryptocurrency or is money like a winner-takes-all or winner-takes-most narrative? Mm-hmm. Um, and why in kind of the existing framework uh, do we have like 180 different currencies, right? Yeah. And so we kind of come to the conclusion that, okay, if you understand what drives monetary premium, right, and it's this this idea that, you know, as it goes from a collectible to a store of value to a medium of exchange to a unit of account, uh there is... Basically, more belief that it becomes uh, a, a, a Better global money, money. Yeah. exactly, and and it's basically a collectively shared belief that this money holds the strongest attributes. Mm-hmm. You know the bullish case for Bitcoin, Vijay Boyapati's kind of explanation of what makes a store of value sound
0: goat for uh, for first time uh, that, that that's one that s- explorers of Bitcoin. Yeah,
1: that one definitely. That's one I I send to to a bunch of my. Uh, the people who kind of want to break in, but... Um, send it to your roommates. Send it to my out. roommates. Send, I send them that. <laughs> Ethics of money production. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Ethics of money production is a very yeah. underrated uh, yeah. uh, piece of education that mm-hmm. every Bitcoiner should read. Um, right. So so basically, w- the, the idea that I, th- I think and, and, and we think that for the first time, the technological nature of, of cryptocurrencies... Provides a bedrock for a truly free market right mm-hmm. where it's like for the first time, you know, it's open source Anyone can kind of build whatever they want and anyone can choose to participate in whatever network they want um, And if this is to store their wealth, then it seems like by default It's just a very circular in how how this mm-hmm. monetary premium is, is driven and so at equilibrium, it would seem like it's a winner takes all uh, or winner takes most, if not all. Um, and so, the technical by the technological nature of kind of cryptocurrencies, w- what I mean by that is that you know it's borderless, um, that there's interoperability amongst crypto networks, mm-hmm. right? That you have this idea of economic abstraction, right? Where uh, I think Jeremy Rubin. Um, yep. He had that whole ETH will collapse to zero. And mm-hmm. he makes some very sound arguments around the idea that if you're able to pay uh, gas with the buzzword coin, yeah, exactly. uh, then what's the point of ever holding ETH? And so at the end of the day, it's driven by or our, the premium is driven by our willingness to hold. Right. Um, and so if you're able to do the same functionality um, with whatever the soundest money is, then you're going to converge towards that money. Exactly, because um, why would you? Why would you risk it? Exactly. Uh, combine that with the fact that we're going to continue to see additional functionality built on on this winning money, uh, and so I think Summa with uh, James Prestwich, uh, for instance, yes. he, he kind of released this whole thing where you can pay, where you can verify Bitcoin payments uh, on top of ETH, and you basically had this like N- NFT or non fungible token uh, auction that where there was an ETH executed smart contract that you paid with Bitcoin. And it's like, okay, well, what's the point of ETH? Right? <laughs> right? right? So, I mean, but that's the idea is that under a. a well, there will free be an market, app
0: platform that will enable the smart contract, and Bitcoin will just be used as a fuel for that eventually. Like absolutely. I, I've been saying
1: this for. I
0: feel uh, like I've been beating a dead horse.
1: I mean, you've been saying this, Marty, but not everyone's as enlightened as you. Uh, I would not <laughs>
0: call myself enlightened. But, <laughs> no, but, um, no, but uh, not even staying on, like, the monetary premium thing, the yeah. fact that you and Monsieur are writing this, this is, like, one of the things I love about Bitcoin is, like, a force, like, not just a force, it's, it's got smart people coming together and collaborating on, like, media. I know it sounds cheesy, but, like, medium posts, but, like, very important ones. Like, people uh, enamored by a subject coming together, like Hasu and Alexander Legal. Hasu's written with, like, 15 partners. He's like he, he, he's, he's, he's like the he's, slut of the writing industry right yeah, now. He's, he's going he, around he's, writing with he's everybody. He's definitely
1: one of the most original thinkers I've come across. Oh, I fucking love
0: Hasu. Hasu, we need to write a piece together. We've talked about this. Hasu,
1: we also need to write a piece together. <laughs> but, uh, no,
0: it's, like, fascinating that it, like it's, it's something I've never seen outside of Bitcoin, where people, like, feel so compelled to, to push out content like this.
1: And it forces you to learn as well. Right? right? It's like... And it's not like we're experts and I hate the word experts because yeah. we're not, we're far from anything that remotely resembles an expert. Uh, but it's like, we're we're explorers. are right? explorers, right? We have, we, explorers. Is, uh, documenting our journey, I would say. Exactly right. Um, uh, so that, that should be coming out hopefully soon. Um, and I'll love for you to take a look beforehand. Definitely Get your thoughts. Definitely
0: send it my way. Yep. Um, no, it's, uh, fucking we live in weird times and we're 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 discovering this stuff uh it's actually something i was thinking about i was pacing i'm a big pacer when especially like when i'm trying to write the bent i like walk around my apartment a lot but i was thinking uh just thinking about like the narratives the changing narratives and uh specifically about my conversation with dan held when he's talking we were talking about roger and maybe how some people had a certain perception of bitcoin at a given point in time uh and that vision uh, may not be as applicable to bitcoin uh today and I, I said like these people have not evolved with bitcoin and i was actually pretty pissed that i used the word evolved where uh I, be- I truly believe like bitcoin's being revealed to us we're not it's not like evolving it's being like the the limitations of the network and everything's being revealed it's not it is evolving in some ways but it's more being it's limitations again are being revealed to us instead of like evolving
1: that uh, that's that's a very interesting way to to look at it obviously the whole visions of bitcoin thing is Mm -hmm. a testament to that where it's like you have these shifting narratives uh because at the end of the day and this is what i realized is that no one actually knows what's going on right Right. and so all we can do is kind of do our own research what what makes us kind of wake up in the morning Mm -hmm. uh and look into whatever whatever part of it is but There's just so many factors involved that none of us I guarantee have considered uh, that will very likely uh, change whatever perception we have of the it's like right an now. expanding universe we literally
0: cannot know what it has not expanded into yet we yeah. are discovering it as Dude, my head hurts <laughs> <laughs> <We're> discovering <laughs> as it's happening which is awesome and it's fun and that's what makes it so fun and yeah. it makes me wake up and write about it every day it's like all right what the fuck's happening? What, what what else are we discovering today
1: what is bitcoin revealing to
0: us um it's
1: uh we're, we're really fortunate to be to be in this position uh that Honestly, I don't feel like I actually ever go. I'm actually ever really doing work. Yeah, it's a it's, Friday night. We're here recording dude, a podcast, and, I, and I'm having a, such a good time. <laughs> so you're going to Paris, Paris on Monday. Paris, ben je, je dois apprendre un peu de français. Alors, je comprends français.
0: Vegetable? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you said. Uh, no, I, the, did I? Just, is that? See, I just Wait, so it? I took Latin and Spanish, yeah. uh-huh. so I just assume I know the Romance languages. Did I just say I don't understand French? It,
1: the, repeat
0: that. Je oh. ne comprends français.
1: Je ne comprends pas le français. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. that's that's yeah. great. Okay. I, I asked that because the whole Bitcoin, sign, uh, the uh, buy Bitcoin mm-hmm. uh, in the Paris protests. Um, that's made. actually why I'm going. I'm going to join the yellow vest. Uh, it's, it's not a trip of leisure. It's a trip <laughs> of revolution. Uh, I was going to ask about that. Are you, you going to have your own customized little uh, little vest? I was listening to a podcast today. Do you know why they all
0: have the vest? Why? Because it's like mandated in France that you have to have like a yellow vest in the trunk of your car. So whenever you buy a, a car in France, it comes loaded with a yellow vest in the back like in case it ever breaks down on the side of the road. Like as a yield signal? Yes. Interesting. So like... There was like no like capitalism behind this. People actually already had their vests and were able to just go in their car and put it on. Uh, so be aware if you're your authoritarian government uh, tr- and you don't want to give people tools to, to rebel against you, um, which yeah, the I, French government did. I had no idea. <laughs> I thought that was fascinating um no yeah i'm excited to go to paris you got some recommendations for me correct
1: yes i have a list and uh and i want you to check off every every item of that list my
0: my wife's got a tome of an itinerary so we'll see we'll see uh well yeah i mean you can
1: you can do a little combo
0: not a big i I gotta we gotta have a debate me and my wife because i'm not a big itinerary
1: guy i just like to go with the flow i feel like especially in paris as one of the most romantic cities in the world you just got to be spontaneous, right? Marty. Yeah. I'm a big, I'm a big spontaneity guy. <laughs> All right. All right. So what, what do you got planned? <laughs> Nothing. I know show fun. up, show up and walk, that's, you know? that. Honestly, you're you're going to have a great time. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a beautiful city. Uh, most of my cousins actually live there. They, they studied there and, and, and my mom actually went to college there as well. Oh, hell yeah. Where that's where I'm, my, that's where my parents met too in Paris. Oh uh, really? <laughs> yeah. Hell <laughs> yeah. So there, <laughs> there, there's a whole story behind that. Um. But, yeah, so you should you should have a good time. How long are you going to be there for? It's like five days. Okay. Quick trip. Oh, so it's not too long. Quick rip. I'll be back right. in New York. Well, uh, the list that I'm going to send you is like three weeks worth. So I, I might have to I might, have to, <laughs> boil <it. laughs> I might have to boil it down. I wish we were going for three right. weeks. That would be dope.
0: I need to travel more. It's my first trip in a while. I'm excited. Yeah. Um, but I do. Like you mentioned, your cousins. I actually have a rendezvous with my cousins here in the city tonight. We have a nice Christmas party. Nice. Uh, is it uh,
1: kind of a, a potluck style?
0: No, a potluck in the sense that we'll all bring a, a unique bottle of wine
1: and, uh, and share it that way. So do you ha- do you have like uh, these traditions that you have? Or do You get to play like you know charades, or <laughs> we never do charades. We
0: talk. We're we're a drunken Irish family, so it's all talking. Oh, to music and drinking <laughs> way too
1: much wine. Uh, nice. Well, it sounds fun. Well, then I, I I can't I can't keep you waiting too long. Then
0: no, you're not. I was gonna say, <laughs> it, was, it was the the shot clock. But like, what uh, what should we touch on before we leave? This uh, this tweet about so like you bootstrapping your knowledge. How much help, How helpful was uh, Bitcoin talk? Bitcoin talk
1: is, is amazing. Goodness, yeah. this, is, this is actually an interesting yeah.
0: topic because Nick Carter brought this up recently. Yeah. Like a lot of the debates that we were having in the perpetuity out. happened like the first two years of Bitcoin. Yeah. So you you had this sweet thread, which I really loved, uh, like
1: explaining like Bitcoin talk threads uh, Like have so many gems in them. Yeah. So actually I, I drew a lot of inspiration from my historical digging from Nick. Because mm-hmm. he's the he's the the historian the Bitcoin mm-hmm. historian the self-proclaimed <laughs> Bitcoin historian and so I'm just his apprentice like I tell him. <laughs> But uh th- literally there's there's this one one day I'm like l- let me just dive deep into the P2P foundation posts and and the Bitcoin talk forum posts just to just to see what what it was like and what people were talking and it it you for those who haven't there's definitely some digging to do because The conversations that they were having um, around Bitcoin as really just this experiment that everyone's kind of collectively trying to figure out what the next steps are. Right. Uh, And so you see kind of these people just discovering it, um, being like uh, them asking, okay, you know, let's create some sort of project where we provide this Bitcoin faucet. Um, where people can yeah. just, you know, Gavin just, Anderson was giving out like you can go to this website I, I and know, find Bitcoin I, for free. I saw and I think there's like this Spanish dude that just completely uh Sybil attacked it. And and just took it. it's like you know, you can never have anything uh anything good when with the when you think about free Bitcoin, it's like it's quite an attractive uh an attractive project. But, right. Yeah, I, I basically I, I don't remember the the all the posts of the of the tweet but anything from like you know exactly so satoshi kind of literally having the first link to download bitcoin v0.1 and because this is literally on the internet when you see that it's like this is a part of history yeah Uh, and we're also only 10 years into this history but imagine in like 100 200 years if you have the you know way back machine and you kind of go and look like this was download v.1 yeah um and there there were a couple of interesting uh, other uh, t- posts around people kind of just losing, you know, thousands and thousands of Bitcoin because they lost their wallet. <laughs> private keys. And, and, their, and their private keys. Um, the idea of, you know, Satoshi, uh, w- when they had first announced that uh, WikiLeaks was going to accept mm-hmm. Bitcoin. Uh, Don't kick the hornet's ass. Exactly. And, and everyone's like, oh, this is great. This is a, an amazing opportunity for us to spread the word. Uh, and Satoshi was just like, no, it's it's important to kind of tread cautiously. And my favorite, August seventh, two thousand ten, uh, Satoshi
0: destroying the the mining as wasteful. Oh, yeah, babe. this is not August seventh, like, two thousand ten. It, it, it is a net positive for the world. That 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 one's
1: that that one's one for the books. Where he's like, not owning Bitcoin <laughs> is the net waste. Like, <laughs> right. From from that, I guess we just got to drop our mics because he's he they, like nick said they they've been talking about these 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 fud arguments since 2011 yeah um and they're just uh constantly being recycled matt's og tweet of calling it in june right he's like the next the lowest hanging fruit uh, for this next bear market is okay. going to be the mining fud death spiral and it uh, came and it came not even stuff. 6
0: months later matt odell calling it out in june yeah but it's true. That's we've heard the death spiral like last bear market too. It was like that's why the difficulty adjustment works, and yeah. there will always be ideological miners, and each miner has a different cost point, uh, price point, point. Um, and it's highly variable. Yes, yeah. exactly.
1: Yeah. So I, I for one, um, so I'm fi- I'm almost five months into this job. So, f- throughout my whole professional career, uh, I've only been in a bear market. Uh, and you, I don't know if you saw Derek's tweet, but he's like, you know, I, I, since since working full time in crypto, I've I've been in a bear market forever. So <laughs> I don't know what it's like on the other side. I'm chilling.
0: It's <laughs> a, a good place to uh yeah. to earn your chops. I'm yeah. I'm a little jealous. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> when I first got I got into Bitcoin, like yeah, yeah. 2013, 2014, we're gonna start yeah. getting down too. And I still don't fully work at Bitcoin yet. Is this a job? Is this a job? What we're doing right now?
1: This is a job. I mean, okay. we're we're on a Friday night. That's just I'm true. Just, uh, Talking bitcoin well
0: it's always fun to me and this last hour and a half was very fun i appreciate you coming on you have a parting note for the freaks out there
1: not particularly i mean thank you for having me this is honestly such an honor oh stop uh, it. Dude. no really uh, thank stop. you because you you reached out you're like yo come on the pod whenever uh and and you know thanks for what you're doing um and just, just keep on grinding. I'm loving this bear market. I'm, I'm slowly accumulating. We'll keep grinding. <laughs>
0: keep telling your roommates about Bitcoin. And uh, keep crushing it at ARK, dude. I can't wait to see the paper you and here put out.
1: Thanks, Marty. Thank you so much.
0: All right. That's all we got for this week, freaks. Peace and love. Be careful out there. Actually, no. Drive fast and take chances this weekend. <laughs>